Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast, where you can be inspired by the stories of active people from the great state of Texas and beyond. We also chat with people who can help keep you active, like our sponsor, College Station Physical Therapy and Performance. CSPT is a performance PT clinic who helps active people recover from injury, return to their active lifestyle, and reach their highest level of performance. Learn more about how CSPT can help you get back to doing what you love at collegestationpt.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Watts, your host, and today we have a special guest. Uh, he's known as Bubba Bean. I'm not, I don't think that's his actual given first name, right? Uh, first name is Ernest. Yeah, it would be Ernest correct. Ray, but I'm pretty sure he's gone by Bubba for a while. As long as I can remember. Wow. Uh, I mean, probably, I don't know, 60 years, 65 years. So. Do you know how that started? I was told by my parents that my brother, older brother, who couldn't say his older, uh, his younger brother, could say his younger Bubba, oh, and that's wow. how it stuck. Yeah. And uh, just all, just basically, it was easy to remember, uh, especially the two Bs. When I came here, R.C. Slocum told me one time, he said, "Man, you need to just keep it. Don't sit, just leave it as is." Because it's every. I mean, a kid that's five years old can remember that. Yeah. So. I never. <laughs> it's never definitely easy to remember. Yeah, that's funny. It reminds me of a uh, whenever my girls were young, really young. Uh, my the youngest used to call her older sister Bobby because she couldn't say couldn't, Maddie. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> the B came easier, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. why yeah. a lot of people's first word I is think, ball. <laughs> I think so. Um, and it's usually not mama. It's dada because D mm-hmm. and B. But yeah. it's, it didn't stick, thankfully. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think she wanted to be called Bobby. <laughs> but it, it lasted for a while. I mean, good. for at least a year uh, where she was calling her Bobby. And we <laughs> just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but with you, your your nickname from your brother stuck the pretty much your whole life. Yeah, um, since you were five or ten years old, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably younger than that though, right? Well, as far as I know, I I think I was probably fifteen before I realized I had another. Name. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and so this was in Kirbyville, right? Kirbyville, that, that's yeah. where you were born and raised. Yes. Which is yeah. southeast Texas, outside of Beaumont. Beaumont, Port Arthur, north of Beaumont, Port Arthur area. Um, Real close to the Louisiana border. Yeah. Is football big there? Uh, the Golden Triangle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few guys that came from over there um, over the years. Um, but yeah, it was pretty big over there. Yeah. And still is. And how big a school is that now? <sighs> Good question. Uh, once again, I've become, uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I've become a person that's moved to College Station. Mm-hmm. And Kirbyville is no longer on the map to me. My mm-hmm. mom and dad had passed away. I don't. I don't go back. Okay. Um, yeah, this is home right now, man. For the for the time being, and probably from now on. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't go back over there very often. My wife has two sisters. One lives in Beaumont, and the other one lives in Jasper. And she goes back from time to time, but it's just it's, it's too depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, small town. It was a two A when I was there. I think it may be three eight now, but um, two red lights. Um, obviously, one high school. It's just a small place. Okay, everybody knows really everybody small. else. Um, you know, there's not a Walmart there. You got to go to Jasper, or, you know, Silsby or somewhere like that to go to Walmart. Um, 
the little stores that used to be mom and pop stores when I was there, they've all dried up. So it's it's a it's a kind of you have to have your mind made up if you're going to move to Kirby. <laughs> yeah, so it probably hasn't grown. It may have even uh, shrunk a little no, bit. <laughs> it has not grown. Nope. Uh, so the school's probably the same size, um, but football is big in Texas. Period. So yeah. I mean, even at these smaller schools, I mean, you even get outside of Bryan College Station. Um, everybody in Anderson, Iola, mm-hmm. all those little towns around here, uh, they, they love football. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you had a pretty, pretty good football career in high school from what I've seen, uh, with some of your numbers, uh, and that may have gotten you to where you eventually <laughs> got in football. But, um, do you remember much like as far as like your experience and like, was it fun in high school? Was it different from, well, it was, it was different from college and professional sports because, you you basically played for the your teammates, the guys that, that you knew and you wanted to win. When you moved to the next level, it almost became a, a it was tainted a little bit. It wasn't quite as, as we need to win this because he needs to win this year because he's gonna be a senior, he'll be gone next year. Oh uh, yeah. Um, when you get to the professional ranks, it's every man for himself. It's he just happened to play on the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you're you're in for a rude awakening if you get to the professional level, and you think it's all about we're going to rah rah win one for the home team. It's not like that, <laughs> not at all. But college is more of a transition. Like I mean, you're still playing. A lot of the players are there for four years. Um, at least we, maybe then they were. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we didn't. There was none of this leaving early yeah. type thing. I mean. Uh, when I came here, I assumed I was going to be here for four years. I didn't, you know, there wasn't a, we signed four-year scholarships. Yeah. Um, there wasn't the reevaluation at the end of every year. Now, some guys left because they, their time was up basically because of not being able to participate because of ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came in as true freshmen, um, 72 class. We were, there was... I think four or five of us were immediately put on the varsity. There was still a freshman team. It played on Thursday nights. And all of my classmates that we that played with us, uh, most of them except I think four or five of us were put on the varsity the first year. So guys that were seniors or juniors, running backs, whatever position they were playing, when they saw that they weren't going to get to play, some a lot of those guys just took off, whether they went to other schools or just left completely. But that was sort of the beginning of the four year. Well, it was the first year a freshman could play, and we this was in high school. So like no, oh, you're talking about this is here, here, okay. First year freshman, and it, it was treated more like high school. <laughs> yeah, kind of like high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the best players played. Mm-hmm. Coach Bull, Emory Ballard came in that same year along with R.C. Slocum. Um, and it was it was a change. They 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 wanted to, according to Coach Villar, because he's passed away now. He wanted to recruit players that he felt like could fit into the program that he was going to put in. He didn't care what color they were or where they were from, anything of that nature. Um, and he proved that by what he the things that he did with my mom and dad and, and mm-hmm. RC fell right into that same mold. Uh, they were looking for players. So we got a chance to come here uh, in Pat Thomas, Skip Walker, um, Carl Roaches. I mean, and out of the five guys, 
five African Americans that stayed the whole four years. We all played professional ball, oh, wow. every one of us. Um, and we all graduated, which is kind of unheard of nowadays. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I'm proud of that we, you know, we stuck it out. And you got to think this this wasn't the most um, hospitable place to come to. Mm-hmm. There was only two black players on the team when we got here. Um, it immediately changed after we got here because the next year we started recruiting other guys and guys like Lester Hayes, who was at Oakland, uh, the Stickham guy who mm-hmm. got all that stuff going. Yeah. Robert Jackson, uh, first round pick with Cleveland the year after that. So it kind of spearheaded the whole thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, that even going back to high school, I mean, that, well, that was very different from high school, right? Or what was the... It was, yes, it was different from high school in that, um, you got you to gotta remember too, and, and you're not nowhere close to being old enough to know, <laughs> to know about this. We, I, I had an opportunity to change schools. When I was in the fifth grade, the elementary school was first through fifth grade. The next grade, sixth grade through 12 was high school. There was no intermediate school or, or middle school. Wow. If you wanted to play sports and you're a sixth grader, you had to be tough enough to play against a guy that's probably 17, 18 years old. What? So it's, when I say a little different, yes, it was a little different. Yeah. My dad finally convinced me uh, I did not change schools in the sixth grade. I went one more year, and my dad finally convinced me. He said, if you want to play sports, you're going to have to switch schools. Well, I did. And then the very next year, everybody had to switch. They shut the black school down completely. Hmm. Um, but it was it was difficult during that time. I wanted to play baseball. My brother and I did. Never got on the field. Uh-huh. Never. It was always a coach's kid or a coach's son or, hmm. you know, I just, you know, and I just said that at that point in time, I've got to get into something that, that they can't stop me from playing. Mm-hmm. And to me, football was probably one of the best, was one of the easiest because they couldn't, people could not uh, throw roadblocks up for you if you were a better athlete. And football allowed me to do that. I played basketball too, uh, but it just, uh, basketball wasn't something I wanted to do. It was something about the sport of football that Mm. challenged you. You know, you had to be, you didn't have to be the biggest guy, the strongest guy. You had to have a will to, to work harder than someone else. Mm-hmm. We only had um, a universal gym when I was in high school. <laughs> I never looked to weight in my life till I got here. Wow. Uh, just wasn't something. I came here, I think I was at 175. I left at 192. Huh. Um, because of people like Mr. Pickard, who was a trainer over here mm. for the for eons and um, all the people that were involved, I mean, it got us more involved. But it was, even during that time, it wasn't as probably, it wasn't as coordinated as it was, as it is now. Right. Um, they used to lock us, up, lock us up in the gym and tell us we had to do this, this, and this. Well, we'd sneak out and go play basketball in Girardi <laughs> next door. So it wasn't as quite as uh, intense probably as it is now. Yeah. Yeah, and you also mentioned, so the four years here at Texas A&M, you stayed all four years, you graduated, along with the other African-Americans that were here, you all mm-hmm. got degrees. Um, but also in high school, you were, I mean, you were 
that kind of started with high school. You were also a good student. Like, I mean, you were, and also basketball, you ran track. I see in here, um, you got a class 3A long oh, jump championship <laughs> with 23 feet in 1971. Man, you went way back. Um, it's funny you say that because we didn't even have a track. Oh, wow. we, we didn't have a track. What I, what I would do is when I got to the, to the track, I would watch what everybody else would do, and whatever foot he jumped off is what I jumped off. And I mean, I didn't know anything about it because I never practiced. And there wasn't a coach to really tell you well, what to do. The coach that we had, the one thing that he told me was at the state meet, and he told me I needed to move back about two inches. <laughs> okay. In my next jump, I jumped to 23 feet and didn't have to jump anymore. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it was just. It was just natural ability, I guess. I, I wish I'd had an opportunity. I have a granddaughter now that's triple jumping at, um, <laughs> she'll probably get mad at me for saying this, uh, that's triple jumping at uh, SFA. Okay. Matter of fact, I'm going to go to her district meet tomorrow. Um, she, she does well. She expects a lot, but she, she hadn't really figured out how to put the work in. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to put a pit out at my house, and if she wants to, you know, get involved a little bit more, I can help her a little bit more, even at home when she, you know, when they're at home. What's up, everybody? I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Cleaner. They are a natural and organic product company that makes the best options for soap, deodorant, beard oil, and pomade, all made right here in the USA, and all scented from nature, not in a lab. You can find all these great products at cleaner.com. That's K-L-E-N-R.com. Click on the link in the description below. And also don't forget to use our discount code, T-A-T-10. That's TAT10 for 10% off on all their products. I personally use these products. I love their soap, deodorant, and pomade. They're all made without harmful chemicals. So remember, it's not just what you put in your body, but what you put on your body. Go check out cleaner.com. For the best soaps, deodorants, beard oils, and pomades out there today. Don't forget to use the discount code TAT10 for 10% off. Um, but, so, I mean, that's just kind of in y'all's genes then, I mean, with the track. Uh, even though you didn't even, like, really focus on that, you went out there, because you're an athlete, and you, you figured something out on that on that long jump that one time but then how did you pick running back like is that something you decided to do or well growing up um we lived sort of on a corner and some of my older cousins and when i say older i'm talking about six seven year old older than i am they they would always it would always be one of these <laughs> a game of pick them up mm-hmm. i don't know if you know what that is a ball is thrown out Whoever, whoever picks it up runs with it. Mm-hmm. No blocking, absolutely nothing. Every, it's one against however many guys there. Could be five, could be six, could mm-hmm. be ten. But that's that's how I learned the, the you know, because my older cousins, they didn't, I mean, it wasn't like, well, you're ten, so we'll give you some slack. No, I was just like everybody else. And that's where I kind of, I guess, developed the I, the concept of, being elusive as opposed because I wasn't big enough to run, you know, run into these guys. And of course, nobody's got on anything protection yeah. wise. You're still tackling each other though. Yeah, still, man, you got to get him on the ground. I mean, yeah, so just, yeah, I like that name 
Uh, <laughs> we called it tackle the man with the ball. Oh, okay. It's a little too word too much. Too wordy. Yeah. Uh, pick him, pick him up. Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, yep. pick him up. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. One, one versus whoever had the ball, you tackle him. Exactly. And then they exactly. kind of throw the ball up, and yeah. then whoever gets it <laughs> runs with it. I actually hated that game. <laughs> oh, it was it, it was tough with my older cousins, man. They were because they were brutal. They they, I mean, it's just that's where they could make their name. Mm-hmm. Is a knockdown a ten year old kid, oh, or a yeah. twelve year old? Real proud about yeah. that. <laughs> but. And so that lasted into. I mean, you played running back in high school, and then um, you you also got inducted. So where I got that triple jump was mm-hmm. from the Dave Campbell okay. High School Football Hall of Fame. They just had a little bit about you. Um, but you ran for five thousand five hundred thirty-two yards in high school. That's just over three seasons. Uh, so that's that's quite a few yards. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a little, I'll say misleading, because um, we would be up by forty points at halftime. I know my senior year, I didn't play half the half from halftime on on at least six or seven games. Hmm. Wow. We just, you know, we'd be up enough. Well, we didn't throw the ball. I mean, I don't think anybody I ever went to high school with caught a pass. It just that that it was a Houston beer, which was ran by the guys down at U of H, and you know I, I knew I was going to get the ball pretty much every. Mm-hmm. I, I I do remember distinctly one game we played. It was a by district game, and it was against uh, Hold Day Zeta, oh, yeah. and there was a guy that was a, a linebacker. And I mean, all that week he was talking about what he was going to do, and you know, I'd have a rough week and that type of thing. Well, 41 carries later, and 347 yards later, we win the game. That's the first time I've ever carried a ball 40 times in a game, and the only time. Is that the most yards you ever had? I think so. 347. 347. <laughs> um, that was your senior year or junior year? I think that was my. That might have been my, my senior year. Yeah, so, I mean, in your sophomore year, this is just a little more stuff here for you, and if you don't remember, um, you, you you ran the ball 133 times total, like just in your sophomore year, 7.6 average. Um, but then the next year, when y'all did the Houston Beer offense, mm-hmm. your junior year, um, you ran for twice as many yards with only 202 carries, so 10.6 average. Yeah, it went up a little bit. And then your senior year, you... It's, it, all it says is you scored 270 points. So <laughs> you scored a lot. <laughs> and that's when y'all went to the playoffs and kind of went, or I guess yeah. you went maybe every year, but was we that, was that your deepest run? Yeah, your it was senior two years. years. Uh-huh. Yep. How far did y'all make it? Uh, man, see, it's changed now. All of this quarterfinals and all of that stuff. It's now, like six it's, rounds yeah, to the final. It's, it's not like that. I, don't, I can't remember exactly how far we got, but... I know we wound up getting beat my last year, I think against Friendswood, Texas. And we're we're down 24, well, I think it's tied up. No, we're down 24-26. And we score, and it's like seconds left in the game. And of course, everybody knows they're gonna toss it to me and we get stopped on about the one yard line oh, man. Uh, from tying it up and going into overtime. Oh. Or I think back then they just, they didn't do the overtime thing. It was just stats. They really? would look at stats and that's who they, that's how they would determine What's, who won. Do you know what the first stat was they looked at? It may have been um, total yards in the game. 
Um, and, and then it kind of went from there. I don't know if it was passing yards. Yeah, but the likelihood of the total yards being exactly the same is yeah, pretty low. exactly. So they probably didn't have to go past yeah, that. Yeah, But, uh, yeah, that was, I can remember that one real, real well. Yeah. <laughs> real well. And um, so I know the story is a little interesting about how you ended up coming to Texas A&M because, I mean, like you said, you were, there weren't very many African Americans. There were two when you got mm-hmm. here. Yep. And then how many when you got came in with you? Just you? No. That was... Um, and this is 1972. 72. Yeah. There were six of us Okay. that came in that year. And so, but how did you end up here? I know you told me a little bit of the story uh, well, the other day. I, I, you know, it's interesting because Coach Ballard had just left the University of Texas and taken a head coaching job here. Mm-hmm. R.C. Slocum had been recruiting me since I was a sophomore for Kansas State. Mm -hmm. And one Christmas weekend, a friend and I, we decided to go to Beaumont to shop for Christmas gifts. R.C. calls me and he says, well, if you hit it down this way, why don't you stop by? Well, his brother lived, R.C.'s brother lives in in Beaumont, Mm -hmm. or Orange, which is just outside of Beaumont. So we stopped there, and he's there out barbecuing in a trailer house. You know, it's a. This is not what you would think. Uh, <laughs> it's um. It's a park, basically a trailer park. Uh, so me and my, my the buddy of mine that went with me, we're sitting out there and they're barbecuing, and RC gets a phone call. Well, he gets up, goes inside. And he comes back out, and he's got kind of got this look on his face. And I'm thinking, you know, I had known R.C. for a couple of years before that, so I knew him pretty well. He wasn't that much older than we were, because, um, yeah, I mean, he was, I don't know, probably five or six years older. But um, when he comes back out, he sits there for a second, and then he looks at me. He says, well, i got to tell you something. Said, okay. He said, you know all the stuff I was telling you about Kansas State? He said, it gets awful cold up there. I'm just letting you know. And I'm thinking, why did he come back and tell me that? I kind of got an idea, you know, that I've never been anywhere. Yeah. He said, let me tell you about A&M. And I'm thinking, well, what is he doing? At this time, I he was still working at Kansas State? He was still. He thought he was. The, the <laughs> phone call that he got was from Coach Emery Ballard. Uh-huh. He offered him the job on that right there on the phone. While you were there. While I was there. <laughs> That's amazing. And Coach Ballard, he asked Coach Ballard, well, who do you want me to go see first? And he said he wanted him to come, come see me. He said, well, he's sitting out at, you know, sitting out in the yard right now getting ready to eat some barbecue. So that's when he comes out and tells me the next, I think that next weekend he flies up here and signs his contract. So now he's recruiting me for A&M. That's one of the biggest reasons I came here because RC had the heart, soul, and mind of my parents. They, they would, they'd run through this wall for him. They just, they, they liked him. They liked the fact that he told them straight up. He didn't try to do anything that was, you know, illegal or that was going to get me in trouble or, or anything of that nature. I mean, he just, that's what he was to them. And I just, I probably couldn't have gone anywhere else. Mm-hmm. My parents were, I mean, they didn't tell me where to go, but it was more of, you know, we can come see you play up there on a regular basis. We can drive to College Station three hours, not that big of a deal. Um, you know, you guys will be playing at Baylor, you'll be playing at Texas and, you know, places that they could drive, you mm-hmm. know, by going to Kansas State, you know, it was going to be in the Brad, I mean, it was going to be all over the place. So I didn't, Kansas State wasn't anywhere I was hoping to go. I just, they were in a different conference at the time? 
Kansas State? Uh, oh, God, I can't remember where, what conference they were in. I mean, that was South, the, y'all were in Southwest. Southwest Conference, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it could They could have been... But it's basically, they were in a conference that ended up merging with mm-hmm. the Big 12. With the Big right? 12, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, probably so, Nebraska and Colorado. Mm-hmm. Those. I thought about going to Colorado because of a couple of guys that came from university, well, from Houston, um, had gone to school up there. I almost, I thought about Oklahoma because, again, there were some guys from Houston that had gone up there. Um and that those were my, they were my um, uh, chaperones, I guess, when I went to visit. Uh, my mom and her sister went up to Oklahoma and looked around, and you know mm-hmm. they flew them up. So, but it wasn't you know that wasn't somewhere I was going to go. I mean, it's just too far yeah. away. You know, I'd never really been anywhere. Staying close to home, where I could get home, and even here, I mean, three hours was a tough drive when you want to go home. You know, it, it had never been anywhere, and just. Just to go home to, to sit down at, at mom and dad's table and see mm-hmm. friends that you'd gone to school with and, and uh, my two younger sisters there. So it was just kind of little, it, it was it was great to be able to get back and forth um, being this close. Mm-hmm. So when I finished up and decided I was going to move back out here, um, it wasn't a tough choice to make. Just this is home now. Yeah. Yeah, was that did you did you have a good time in that college career? I mean, making that personal connection and making that decision easy for you seems like it kind of set you up for a good good time in college. Well, it, it was great. I had a great time here. I mean, the guys that I played with, um, like I said, Cole Roaches played at Houston. Uh, Pat Thomas was at um, L.A. and he was in our conference, so I saw Pat twice a year. Yeah. Uh, Skip Walker had a great career in Canada. Uh, Jackie Williams was at Buffalo, so all five of us moved on. Got all over the yeah. country. <laughs> and then obviously the next year, like I say, Robert Jackson was the first pick for uh, Cleveland. Uh, Lester Hayes, I think, was a seventh-round pick of all things um, at Oakland. So, I mean, there was a bunch of guys starting to go in. Mark Dennard, the year after that, uh, was down in Miami. Uh, so, yeah, I got a good good group of guys that we played with and and – Still get together with them to play golf now. Yeah. What, how did you get selected in the first round? How did that go? 1976 NFL draft. Sitting in my apartment over across from... Um, they didn't fly you in and... No, yeah, <laughs> All that hoopla. Um, no, I mean, uh, I was told Cincinnati was going to take me. They wound up taking Archie Griffin, uh, mm. two picks after after me. But Atlanta, when I got selected by Atlanta, they called and said, you know, we're going to select you. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I had never been to Atlanta. I don't know anything about that. I, I had no idea. At least it's in the southeast. Yeah. It's in the southeast. <laughs> it was different than what I anticipated. Oh, okay. um, it was just, it, it was, um, I'm not a big city person at all in the least bit. So every season after the season was over, I had my stuff packed last game. Mm-hmm. And I'm going home. I can't, can't, I'm just not a, you know, I like the slow, easy pace. And that was back to Kirbyville every time? I, it, well, I went, I bought a house in Beaumont. Uh, I wound up selling it. And then about a year later, two years later, I built a house about a quarter of a mile from my mom and dad. Because I thought that's where I was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. 
to me, that was what I needed to do was to be able to be there and take care of them as they, you know, aged. Um, but it really put a strain because of my kids. I wanted them to see that there was more to life than, you know, <laughs> having to drive 20 miles to get to a Walmart. Yeah. Or, so we moved back out here in 86 and been here ever since. So when you were in Atlanta, I mean, you just, did you have an apartment there during I the season? I had an seasons, apartment or? during the season, yeah. Yep. Yeah, this easy exit. <laughs> Two years, I only had a bed in it. <laughs> I mean, that's all I did. That I mean, your, the season was different then too, right? I mean, you basically were there for the preseason or training camp preseason season and then mm-hmm. there wasn't. The, uh, they didn't have like OTAs no, and stuff. No, right. we didn't do any of that. Um, so you were, you had a good amount of time, like maybe what, like four months? Yeah, yeah. Where you yeah, were back, a good time to go back, back home. home. It it uh, our first my rookie year, we we worked out in Greenville, South Carolina, and which was about an hour and a half uh, from Atlanta. My th- Third year, they bought, um, I think it was a Holiday Inn north of, of town, about 20 miles, and they turned that into a facility, which it still is now. Hmm. Uh, two, I think it's two, maybe even three fields now. One's a little bit lower than the other one. But it's just, um, it's not in downtown Atlanta. The stadium hmm. used to be on the corner of 75 and 20. You could get on 20 up in uh, Dallas mm-hmm. area, drive straight to the stadium. Yeah. Just, I mean, nonstop. And that's 12, 12 hours, uh, 13 hours. 13 hours, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to live in Jackson, Mississippi, so, I mean, ah, it's right in the middle. Yeah. Halfway there on I-20. So. Well, that's that was kind of the situation, but it, it, it wasn't somewhere I could, I could see myself living. I just... I'd much rather be able to get out and, you know, go hit a few golf balls and not have to worry about somebody driving by taking a shot at you or something. Yeah. You know, it's just, big cities are just tough, man. Mm-hmm. Just not a, never was one. I'm definitely going to get into your golf game a little bit here. But <laughs> uh, I so you're, after your rookie year, though, you tore your ACL, right? I tore my ACL during your rookie year? year? No, my second year. Okay. Um, in shorts and shoulder pads. Oh, wow. Uh, jumping over a couple of guys that had fallen down, one guy raises his hands up and hits me on the shin and drives it back. And uh, It wasn't from a plant and a cut? Nope. Flips me over. I get up, and just so happened the guy who was our trainer, name was Jerry Ray. Jerry was an A&M alum, too. Huh. Um, I go back and st- I stand there for a few minutes waiting on my turn again and my knee starts to swell and it just puffs up so he says well let's go get some ice on it I go ice it next morning I wake up whichever it was stuck couldn't do anything with it I then get in the car and I drive from South Carolina back to Atlanta Um, see the position there they do surgery the next morning first time I'd ever had any surgery two days after you tore it two days yeah and keep in mind, during those days, there wasn't much as far as repairing the ACL. What they did was they went in, and I had the two scars to prove it. I had a partial tear of, uh, of my cruciate ligament, and also had a little meniscus tear. They said they cleaned that up. The other one, they just put back, put me back together, 
and say, well, you got to strengthen the muscles around it. I worked out with Pran Targenton one so summer. So they didn't do they didn't reconstruct the ACL. Yeah, because it was partially torn too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that actually kind of makes sense from the like mechanical standpoint. You you were in the air mm-hmm. whenever your leg got hit. So even though that was a lot of force, it wasn't as much as you your body putting force putting on it, it on the ground. Yep. I mean using it through the ground. So. I mean, in a sense, that's that was probably a good thing that that's how it happened. I mean, that's all that happened, mm-hmm. whatever, versus you completely rupturing the ACL. Because then in the 70s, even so, reconstructing the ACL was very different. Yeah. Um, it, they told me they didn't even do it back then. They wouldn't do it because they were afraid that if they got it too tight, I wouldn't have full range of motion. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't get it tight enough, it was sort of be a waste. You probably of could time. have found someone to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. But Atlanta, <laughs> that was experimenting yeah. at the time and trying yeah. it out, and they had to try it on somebody. It, but anyway, you didn't have to. No, I didn't do it. Um, they you said you were going to work out with somebody. Fran Targenton, who okay. used to be the quarterback of Minnesota, but Fran lived in Atlanta. And matter of fact, there were quite a few guys that lived in the Atlanta area during the all season, and we all worked out together. But um, he had also had that same surgery or had the same mishap and we just I worked out with him most of the time and it was just nothing more than strengthening the you know quads and hamstrings around it mm-hmm. um, did that and then came back and played another couple four years after that but it just it got to be where it was a year-round thing and it was just grueling on the body of trying and keep in mind too it wasn't it wasn't an era where players were protected like they are now mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll be watching a game or something, I'll thumb in through the channels, and I'll see a guy with dreadlocks and all. Man, he couldn't have played like that when we were playing. Good. Not, they would have been Oh, they'd have been they'd have pulled them out. out. Yeah, <laughs> they'd been ripped out. No I mean, cut blocks, you know, a blind side. Oh, that was legal when we mm-hmm. were playing. Yeah. You can't do any of that now. Mm-hmm. Now guys can just let it rip and not worry about somebody blindsiding them. Um, it's a total different game now. Completely different. I mean, you still got a lot of injuries, though. Yeah, anytime you have people that are that size and that fast yeah. and not interested in whether, I mean, not there's no fear of them getting hurt from a certain type of block. Edge rushers were unheard of when we played simply because <laughs> as a running back, you could go outside two or three steps and you could come back and crack back on him. Mm. Well, your tackle didn't have to hold him up but just a little bit. After that, he was doing that, putting his hand down, you know, making sure that you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. They could close line. You run a circle right out of the backfield, a middle linebacker sitting there, especially the, the guys that had gotten older, they couldn't run. So all they tried to do was knock you down. Stick their arm out? Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was just, that was just par for the course. You learn that after you've been, you know, been cut a couple of times. Yeah, um, it was it was brutal. It was a tough way to play back then. But you know, and and you know, guys nowadays, it's like I say, edge rushers. They were un, I say unheard of. There weren't many of them. So you're saying whenever you would go as a running back, he was already engaged with the tackle, mm-hmm. and you would hit him low. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a cut block. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't matter whether you went out. Now, you couldn't go too far outside and come back and crack back on it. Yeah. Uh, but receivers could do the same thing on linebackers. The weak side linebacker, the receiver could come back in if he's in the slot position. Oh, yeah. 
He could come back and crack back on him in a heartbeat. But with that being said, do you remember if there were a lot of injuries because of that? Um, I'm sure it was. But but guys back then, you know, they'd suck it up and come back and play again. You know, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I'm not saying it's did so much different now, but. Nowadays, you look at basketball, load management. It's a little different. (laughs) You know? um, I mean, they could just reduce the number of games of basketball. I mean, there's a lot of basketball games. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how you manage the load. Make everybody play. People, my brother went up to to watch, uh, he's a big Mavericks fan, but he lives in Oklahoma City. Mm -hmm. And Luca came to play, and he wasn't playing that day. Sitting on the bench, yeah. They sat him, and he paid tickets to go see him. <laughs> I've heard that happen lots of times with people bunch. wanting to go see yeah. LeBron or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's a whole other topic. But It's different. It's there wasn't different. load management in football for sure. Uh, and even no. now, it's... I don't know. Like Actually, one thing that I think of when you say that is, I don't know if it was like this with your with Kirbyville being a smaller school. You, I mean, did you play on both sides of the ball? Sometimes. Um, were there guys that were doing a lot of that? No. No. Well, no. right now there are in these small schools. Small schools, yeah. With yep. like the schools around here that I've worked as an athletic mm-hmm. trainer for. And at least half of the guys that are on the field are on both sides of the ball. Well, at the smaller schools, I can see it. And I watched, uh, was it Madisonville or not Madisonville, Franklin. Mm-hmm. My grandson played with a lot of the kids there in baseball. So he's known quite a few of them, especially the, the twins. Um, but yeah, they play both. They play both ways. But at six A level, you can't do it. Right. I mean, it's just yeah. it'd be brutal if they tried it there. Yeah, I know you can't do um, that. Yeah, for sure at that level. They don't really have a choice at these smaller. No, schools. at the smaller schools, they, well, I think they have a choice. They just <laughs> would, they want to get their best players out. Yeah, there. that's true. There wouldn't you know, be any depth. Yeah, wouldn't be any depth, and um, that's I think that's what's going to kill Brian High this next year. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, depth is going to eat them alive because they just don't have it. And we didn't have it this last couple of years. Um, most of the kids that played had to play all the time. It, you know, it just, and there were a couple of kids that went both ways, um, but not all the time. They would break, you know, give them a break here and there. Is your grandson, he's still, he's playing in Brian High? Right? He's actually, he's be graduating here pretty quick. Okay. Um, and is going to Tyler J.C., He's a, a long, lanky kid that needs to develop a little bit more. So we had a long chat. He decided he's going to go go there and and try to get some more playing time, but still have that option of being able to stay for five months and you know get an offer from somebody else and move on from there. I was told that he had a couple offers that they wanted him to go there so they could get some more. He's a kid that's that's a tweener. He's 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 not a, a fast kid. He's a, he grew real quick one summer, and is he really physically hasn't caught up with his height. He's about six three and a half, um, probably one ninety now. He keeps telling me he's two hundred, but I don't see it. Um, he he's probably better suited as an outside linebacker, but they had to play him at safety and corner because he once again didn't have enough kids. Um, I think he'll do well there. I mean, he's 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 not an aggressive kid, kind of a soft-spoken, easygoing, um, but knows the game. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's one that from the time he was small, 
he would be the kid that they would send out and say, well, make sure this kid gets lined up in the right spot. So he's, he's always been that type of player as, as, as knowing what to do and what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. So he's always been called on to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, Texas Juco football is pretty decent too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good players that go that route. Um, and for different reasons. Yeah. Some go because of, of um, maybe academic reasons. Um, some go maybe because of attitudes. Um, you know, they just didn't present themselves well enough to a, a larger school that wanted to, they wanted to give them a little more time to mature, I guess. Uh, I know, I think this past year, five kids from um, Tyler uh, received Division One offers. Oh, wow. And so it's a good place. I think a lot of coaches will send kids over there kind of on the down low and say, look, keep him over here out of sight from these other guys so that you know, after a year, we want to bring him here or whatever. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. It, it, do you know much about Mississippi Junior College football? One of the guys, um, I'm trying to remember where he went to school. Um, there's been a couple guys that came here that was from Mississippi, but I don't think they were junior colleges. They I mean, it's like a whole other world um, in the JUCO system with football yeah. in Mississippi. It's very intense. I can imagine, um, yeah, and can imagine. it's it's a, there's a lot of really good players that aren't even really looking to go to uh, Division One mm-hmm. college or NFL, but they they go there to play some really good like <laughs> uh, just hard knocks football. Like yeah. I mean, it's I mean from what I've heard, I I never did get to go see any games, but I did um, mm-hmm. work with some people that were pretty involved with it. And then there's even been like documentaries released yeah. on like what it's like and kind of the yeah. cutthroat, you know, uh, nature of, you know, players going from one school to another because mm-hmm. coaches are getting them to come somehow, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, before I ask you about golf, I wanted you to see this picture. Look at this. Yep. So I know this is not a video. <laughs> this is, you're getting interviewed. This guy's like, this is actually um, pretty pretty awesome. But the the media guy has got these big old leathery headphones on, metal and leather, <laughs> a tiny little microphone, um, and he's got his hand on your shoulder like he's your best friend. <laughs> and you must have just finished playing. Huh? Uh, yeah, that was in Atlanta. I have no idea what year that was. Um, but yeah, that's that's been a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to put a picture like that on the on the podcast. Uh, when we release it on our social media platforms. <laughs> um, we'll put whatever picture you want. Uh, no problem. So actually, I mean, the way I met you um, and was we recently played in a little golf tournament together, and I, I was impressed. Like, I mean, I know you've had <laughs> you've come into a lot with football. You've had injuries. You've had knee replacements. You're actually fresh off of manipulation on your knee, um, which you needed, like, while we, when we were playing last week. But... Um, did you start playing golf a long time ago? Like when you were playing, I mean, when did you start playing? No, actually I started playing, I started going to a golf course. I shouldn't say playing because I didn't play. When Jackie Sherrill was here and he was a guy that would get invited to a lot of tournaments, whether they were fundraising deals or uh, coaches nights or whatever it was. 
And he was one of those guys that just, you know, I really don't want to deal with these people. They're going to ask me about the games and all this. So he, I, was taught, I was his recruiting coordinator in 86 when I came back. And I used to go to these things. I didn't even own a club. I would just go ride around with people and, you know, when you get on the, you know, on the green sometimes, they'd say, well, why don't you just putt one? Not to use somebody else's putter. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I got started in it. Um, once I started playing a little bit, or at least trying to hit the ball when I was at some of these tournaments, I, I found it to be unlike any other sport I'd ever played. Because it didn't matter how strong you were, how big you were. You know, the, the guy that's five foot ten, weighs 102 pounds, will hit it past you all day long. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't play defense. <laughs> All you can do is, in your mind, is hope that this guy plays worse than you are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of guys that play football, probably basketball, they have this false sense of, I can beat this guy simply because I'm, 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 I'm a better athlete. Mm-hmm. And boy, I tell you what, when that, when that sets in and you realize that that's not how it works, it took me a while to figure out because some of the buddies, we, we play together a lot. Um, and we usually play for some little sum, whether it's, you know, you buy the, the lunch or mm-hmm. you do this, do that. And what I figured out after a while was a lot of these guys I play with are friends of mine or team or ex-teammates. They have this mindset of they have to match you shot for shot. Whereas when I try to play, I play against a course and let that dictate who actually wins. Mm-hmm. And it helped calm me down from trying to match this guy that can hit it 380 mm-hmm. or this guy that, you know. Um, so, and, and it's just a little small things about the game. The one other thing that took me a while to realize was that what works well today may not work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, it should. Yeah. But because it should. It, you know, it should. But I just. That's it why so many people love the game. Yeah, it took me a while to, to realize. And I'm hoping now after having this other knee replaced, um, the manipulation was done Wednesday. Um, I was I went to physical therapy Thursday and Friday, went this morning. Um, a little disappointed. It kind of went back a little bit. But it's still early. You, uh, you'll be all right. Yeah, well, I'm hoping so. It's Just been keep working months, on it. Three months uh, yesterday. Yeah. And that was your left? That was my left. And you're right-handed. Um, yeah. So you're loading that leg. The right the right one I had done four years ago, I've had both hips replaced. Oh, wow. Um, I've had double carpal tone, trigger finger releases, wrist surgery, and I got a pinky that points in every direction. I think like most other football players around your age that play to a high level, <laughs> you got they fingers probably, yeah. pointing the wrong directions. Yeah, yeah you pointed something, everybody wondered which one you At talking. least you still got them all. Yeah. <laughs> they offered to take this one off and told them not without a, a struggle. It's going to probably be uh, some bloodshed. <laughs> that might affect your golf game a little uh, bit. So that was probably back in the 80s when you started going to those tournaments. Actually, um, 80... Around 88, 87, 88 is when I started playing a little bit. And well, when did you start just going as like, you know, you were... To you play were, on my own? No, before that, what? like with those other guys and you would just putt every once in a while. That was before that? No, that was actually when I moved back in 86. I started working okay. as a recruiting coordinator for Jackie Sherrill. 
and started doing it a little bit then, but then I didn't know, like I said, never owned any golf clubs. Uh, bought my first set of Tour Model 2s. Um, me and another friend of mine kept them for a couple years and then bought new heads and we heated them, the shafts up and redid them into the You did it one. yourself? Yeah, did it myself at the house. <laughs> he was left-handed, but he had right-handed clubs, so it was crazy, man. We had, we had no idea. But I, I started playing a little bit more, um, and now that I work for the city, a lot of stuff I do is with um, fundraising organizations like, you know, Horses for Children, you know, um, Boys and Girls Club, even, you know, they've changed the name a little bit. Um, I play in quite a few of them, like this Hispanic Forum, which is coming up, um, the Alumni Deal, and then I go play with, some have done, I'll play in the um, Texas High School Hall of Fame one again this year, as long as it doesn't conflict with one of the other ones. That's Where do they have that one? Waco. Okay. Yeah. Which course in Waco? Uh, well, they've changed it. It used to be at Cottonwood. Yeah, they changed it. Uh, I played a play. junior tournament there when I was fifteen. Okay, yeah, the Starburst tournament. Okay, and that was the only tournament I ever played. You could have a caddy. Hmm. So I had three different caddies for me that tournament. <laughs> we played Cottonwood Creek, um, uh, Connolly, and the con- Ridgewood. Is it Ridgewood Country Club? There's a new one. I say new. It's just outside of town. Um, yeah, it wasn't there in the mid nineties. Yeah, this was this was yeah. new, um, and they moved it to there. This the last two years, I believe, okay. they moved it over there. Well, I'll play those other three, but yeah, I didn't know about that. I'll have to go play that new one. Is it a country private course? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have to know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, don't ever get your uh, a parent to caddy for you unless it's your mom driving a <laughs> golf cart that doesn't even talk to you the whole time. But me and my dad struggled on that one. Uh, and then my best friend at the time, he caddied for me one day, and it was good because he knew when to say things. My mom, she just carried my bag in a golf cart and didn't mm-hmm. say anything. So good job. <laughs> and I shot my best score that day, and that's the only day I broke eighty. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing though. It's so now you're, I mean, golf, golf mixed with, I mean, you're basically like an ambassador for the city of Bryan with different events. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like real a lot of fun. Uh, it is. I, I get involved with a lot of the lot of meetings among several different committees, and and you know when they're putting together these things. We play one um, that's part, one of the guys right there the other day. It's called A Shot in the Dark. Um, it's here? It's here. It's also at Briarcrest. Okay. It's done in November and it's cold as all get out. <laughs> we only play nine holes. The balls are lit. They have pin lights around the, the greens. Uh, of course, when you get on, we made a birdie this year. One guy just happened to roll one in. I don't know yeah, how. Yeah, you have no depth perception. None. Absolutely none. <laughs> We had flashlights and everything because everything's 100 yards. They move oh, okay. everything up to 100. So you don't need but two clubs, a pitching wedge, and a yeah. putter. Um, but play nine holes. There's two um, two different groups. First, We were first group to tee off this year, and then there's a group that came in after we did. But they do well, man. It's it's just so it, – oh, it was chilly. Yeah. It was it was. So you never cold. know, I guess, with November. I mean, yeah. you could have decent days. Yeah. But it's at night, so it's it night. there's no yeah. sun to warm you yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. But there's some good ones we play. Um, I play in some in Houston from with a guy that um, I think Rob is maybe class of 86. 
And he's in tune with every guy that's ever played at the professional level. They usually call Rob when they're trying to get people to come show up, and he'll send an email saying, look, I got this one set up. You guys want to... And they're real accommodating. They really take care of us when we go do stuff like that. I, I wish I had more of my old teammates that were that played golf. Oh, okay. Uh, some are you of them, with only one, or are there others? I'm one of the few that get invited to these things. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess, I don't know how, but... Uh, some of the guys I do play with that come out of uh, San Antonio, um, only one of them played with the Jets. Uh, but other than that, and you know, one of the guys was a trainer for us, and the other one was a backup running back. And we just, I mean, they like to play golf. Mm-hmm. So we just get together, and it's always a fun time. And um, But it's, I've gone down there and played with them multiple times at a place called Kissing Tree. It's right across from the um, the mall there, going through San Marcos, right there on 35, mm-hmm. probably two miles. It's a retired community. You have to play with somebody that's you know yeah. that's part of it there. But nice course, really nice. They're putting in a lot of houses there. Hmm. But um, I heard that area is growing a lot. It is, yeah. and it's really nice too. We have a good time. So you've been playing for over 30 years golf now. Well. If it was I've been 80s. hitting at golf balls that long. Some so, people will, but at least you've been going to golf courses. <laughs> yeah. So what? I mean, do you, do you have a favorite golf course in Texas? One that's open that I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is there a certain kind of course that like suits your eye, like that you really like, or you just because you said you no. play against the course, you're not playing against yeah, the other guy, I, which actually is a lot of help when you're playing match play. Like, forget about what that guy's doing. Yeah, I mean, can't do that. Forget about if he has a if he gets a pop on you or not. Like, it's it doesn't matter. You just, you're, it's you against the course. Mm-hmm. That helps with the mindset. You know, I, there's I like the the ones that I played out in. I can't remember the names of them. Um, in Rio Doso, New Mexico, I went out there and played. There's three or four courses there. Mm-hmm that a buddy of mine that used to be a punter, we went out there and stayed a few days. His sister had a, a little uh, duplex. We went out there, he, he was in uh, the feed business, um, these exotic animals and stuff like that. And he wanted somebody to go with him, so I just tagged along. And we'd go out there and spend a few days. Of course, it gets cold at night, mm-hmm. and, uh, but they're pretty nice. But I just I just like to play whenever I can get out, yeah. and you know I'm not I'm not a connoisseur of golf where I have to play a certain course because of <laughs> status or anything. And if, if, if the, now we've run into a few um, here the last couple of years, especially since the COVID situation, that people had you know the greens are in bad shape. They haven't really done anything wrong. Now I don't like to go. And find out once I get there that you know four greens are unplayable. Mm-hmm. So um, I went by uh, the one in, in um, Bastrop the other day just to see how it was. And man, if the practice green is anything like the regular party, you wouldn't want to even stop there. And I don't want to put any bad thing on it, but it's they haven't done anything at all yeah. with it. But I mean, there used to be this was I don't know how many years ago but right on the highway there the Bastrop State Park yeah, right there at the park yeah yeah it's closed, been closed oh that's been closed for a while a yeah long after that I think it was maybe around the time that fire went through there uh, um, it could have been before that because we used to have family reunions all over Texas and one of the places was Bastrop State Park mm-hmm. 
and I played that course, and it was the greens were fine. They were real slow, yeah, but they were, at least they were right. very playable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of the same way as you, a little bit, maybe a little bit spoiled. Uh, like <laughs> I, I do like a nice course, but at the same time, it's because I want to be able to play. Like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's I'll play anywhere too. Uh, I, I just love playing the game of golf. But I, I started playing around the same time you did. Okay. <laughs> so, like 1990. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Me and my dad actually picked the game up at the same time. Uh, he's a medical doctor, and he, he started playing when he was 36, <laughs> and I was 6. And so, yeah. he he I, I beat him for the first time in 8th grade. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I think I shot like 102, and he shot 104 or something. <laughs> so, it wasn't long after that, maybe 6 years, 7 years after I started playing, um, I was able to beat them from the same tee. So, you know. okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. So, I mean, one thing I ask all my guests um, is, is there any kind of hobby, activity, or sport that, uh, that you would like to try outside of anything you've tried to this date? If you had to try something now, mm. like, what would you do? You know, knowing my limitations as far as, you know, the surgeries that I've had, I don't know that I want to try it. Golf is the only thing now that, that allows me to play at my own pace and and doesn't affect me like if I had to go out and ride a, um, you know, a, a wild bronc or something, you know, so, <laughs> so no, I, I don't I'm think I'm not saying you have to pick an extreme sport. No, 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 I don't, I don't know, you know, there's nothing else. I don't ping pong, all that kind of stuff. I'm just... Oh, so pass all of that. Uh, I mean, you find something that you enjoy and you stick with it. I, I, I've been in the construction business for a long time. Yeah, I didn't ask that's, you about that. I, I did see that. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's being, where being I... construction? I used to... Man, I, I, I've kind of backed off of it now. Okay. But I still do small projects, things that I want to do at my house, my daughter's house, or, or friends. Things like that. I mean... I still get calls about, you know, I'm getting ready to build this house. Would you be interested? And, you know, I'm 69 now, and I'm kind of at that point where I'd rather go tee it up, you know, late this <laughs> afternoon than to go worry about whether these, you know, walls of plumb on the house yet. So. <laughs> that is a very fair and valid uh, reason <laughs> to do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Hispanic Forum Masters mm-hmm. Um, you've got this hat on it. So it's like a master's logo, but it's Texas and it's got the flag on it. That's awesome. I'm, I mean, I think I've heard of this, but what exactly is this tournament? It's a tournament that's held at Briarcrest Country Club. Um, <laughs> and it's it's the Hispanic Forum. They give away a ton of, of um, scholarship money for uh, kids here locally. Um, a lot of these guys come out of Houston that play in the thing, and there's a lot of them here. Um, several guys I've, I've met over the years, and they have a great time. If you're interested in playing golf and just want to have a good time, um, that's the place to be. Now, it starts early that Saturday morning. I think it's the 15th. I think 7, 7.30, something like that. Now, it could be going on at 10 at night. We oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's just but a one-day tournament? It's a one-day. And so but, it's the week yeah. after the Masters this year. Yes. Yes. So it, it's fun, though. God, yeah, great time. There's, I don't think there's any one person out there that's upset because they're out there. They're, they're, they're having that's a good. great time. 
It, it, what's your favorite like little game to play between your buddies whenever you play? If you're if you've got yeah a little bit of money on it or playing for a meal or something, are you always playing straight up? I play golf when I, when it's golf. I, all these little games, that, especially in these type of tournaments. <laughs> yeah. The um, um, you know here's a chance for you to throw a club or do this. And to me, that's not golf. And when we play this, first thing I ask my buddies. Are we going to play golf or something like golf? Because if we're not going to play golf, then I won't play with you. I'll play with you, but I'm not going to be involved with this. We want to hit two off the first tee. Well, you can hit a whole bucket off the first tee. Don't ask me to sign your card at the end. There you <laughs> so, go. <laughs> so that's how I play. I, you've got all the time to hit all the balls you want to prior to starting. Once the game starts, the game has started. There's no, there's no place to say, okay, well, we're going to adjust this because of this. Don't pick my ball up while I'm putting. If it's two inches from the hole, leave it alone. Put it in, yeah. This my ball. I'll pick it up after it goes in the hole. And until it goes in the hole, we still count. You know, I, I, that's just the way I, I play. I, mm-hmm. I learned to play that way. And I'm not saying I'm the best at it, but I enjoy it because the one thing that I can control is my emotions and not getting caught up into. And that's what used to kill me was, okay, this I just struggled to make a bogey. This guy lost two balls, and he's saying, give me a bogey? Give me a bogey. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. That's not no, golf. It's not golf. Yeah, it's exactly. something like it, but I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to play that. Yeah. For those of you that are wondering, this guy's got a Nike Sasquatch driver in his bag. <laughs> I love it. It's like a big square, kind of a square shape. Or almost, it's just, it was one of the first bigger heads. One of the heads, first ones, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. And that, yeah. The, the face of it is, is almost like a rectangle. <laughs> Yeah, or I guess more like a trapezoid, but it's like I've had it a long time. It's a very interesting shape, and um, I, I can I can tell you and witness he hits it pretty straight most of the time. <laughs> yeah, most of the time, I swing hard in case I do make contact. Man, you just never know. Oh man, this guy gets through the ball. Like I mean, for a sixty-nine year old, I mean, I was very impressed. I wasn't ever worried about like if we lose any distance because um, uh, you get to play from the senior team yeah. right <laughs> taking advantage of it yeah too. definitely I mean, it's part of, that's yeah. that's why they're there uh, put them in put them in years to kind of equalize the game as much as possible across True. all different skill levels as long as you're playing the game of golf though, yeah. right yeah exactly yeah. not one of these made up things well Bubba this has been awesome thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast sharing these stories I uh, can't wait to share this with all of our listeners appreciate it man take a moment to remind you to subscribe to the Active Texan podcast wherever podcasts are available. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Thank you for listening to the Active Texan.